Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. If you're struggling with drugs, alcohol, gambling or food, or concerned about somebody who is, tune in to The Living Free Show on 3CR at 1pm every Thursday. I don't know how I got there, but and I couldn't stop it. I had stopped expecting that anybody cared. Never enough. I'm never enough. It's never enough. He's never enough. That was the confusion. Tune in to Living Free, stories of recovery from addictive behaviour, Thursdays at 1pm on 3CR. Or listen at 3CR on digital radio or podcasts and live streaming on 3cr.org.au. Being able to centre myself and be okay in myself and turn my world around. Living free. Welcome to the Living Free Show on 3CR Community Radio, 855 kilohertz on your AM dial. I'm Mitch, and with my co-hosts Anne and Bill, I'd like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, traditional owners of the land from which 3CR transmits people-powered radio. We'd like to pay our respects to Elders past and present, and to acknowledge that sovereignty over this land was never ceded. Each week on The Living Free Show, we showcase one of of the many programs that assist in recovery from drug, alcohol, gambling, food, and other addictions. Our guests share their recovery stories and highlight that shared experience saves lives. This week, I'm joined in the studio by Gracie. Gracie is a Melbourne bartender who has stories to share on her journey with alcohol and drugs in the hospitality industry. Welcome, Gracie. Thank you for having me. Uh, No problem. So, Gracie, can you start out a little bit by telling us about your family life growing up, where you came from, uh, your environment and the town uh, that you grew up in? Yeah, so I grew up in regional Victoria um, with my parents and my older brother. Um, Didn't really have much knowledge about alcohol or drugs. Um, Was very aware that it was around, but did not know um, where to get it or how people got it or um, where to source things. which is a little bit ironic considering the town is very much a drug-based town and has hit those um, lists a few times. Um, But, yeah, I just wasn't really aware. My parents don't drink um, and that they were always very open about drinking, but my dad is allergic to alcohol And my mum, it was just a choice. She just didn't like it. So what does it look like when you say, like, allergic to alcohol? Like, can't take a sip without having a reaction kind of thing? Um, So he could have one beer, but by the end of the beer, very red, potentially Mm. hives, depending on what um, alcohol. I think a large part had to do with the yeast in beer. Mm -hmm. Um, But he also didn't drink any other types of alcohol it was Mm. only beer yeah it's a good way to stay off the drink I guess getting hives within one beer yeah um what about extended family friends of your parents um other friends from school their parents and stuff like that can you speak to how they interacted with those kinds of things yes so my extended family a lot of my aunties and uncles would drink when we would have like family christmas or um any sort of celebration so i was very aware um what drinking looked like and I was around it. It was just my parents out of um, my extended family that didn't drink. And a lot of my family, friends, parents and things like that, they also didn't drink a lot. Um, And that was just a choice. It wasn't... um, for any particular reason, it was just not their thing. Yeah. And can you talk to me about like the school that you went to when you were younger, going into your teenage years, if you went to a few schools, was it what was kind of normalized? What wasn't? What did you pick up on? So at my school, we didn't particularly start drinking until we were about 16, 17, potentially like 17, 18. Um, I know a lot of friends from other schools 
they started a lot earlier. It just wasn't in the culture at my school to start early. Um, so I think the first time that I got properly drunk would have I would have been about 17. Yeah, cool. Um, and we'll come to that. But now with a bit of perspective, I guess, um, what can you say as to the fact that you guys weren't really entering into the party scene until the latter stage of your teenage years? Yeah, I think we were all just quite nervous and uneducated um and I went to a private school so a lot of that I find was based around our image and Mm. not wanting to let go of our good persona I suppose um and yeah just drinking wasn't really um it was a little bit looked down upon, sure, I think, yeah. and people were trying to save their reputation. Was it a religious school? Was that element part of it? No, not at all. Okay. Um, it wasn't, but we did it. And I don't think many people there were religious either. It mm. was just... We've had... There was a few religious schools in the area, but um, no one cool. that I went to school with was very religious. And the infamous first time you got drunk that you briefly mentioned before, um, talk to me a little bit about that because, you know, I feel like that was a, maybe a long time coming. Yeah, definitely a long time coming. Um, I think I was very uneducated on alcohol at the time and I, as I'm assuming many people did, went into my older brother's room and found his stash and decided to get a drink bottle and fill up a little bit of everything so he didn't notice any was missing. <laughs> and I'm talking like Jack Daniels, Canadian Club, vodka, everything kind of mixed in one, put it in a drink bottle, went to the party. And as you can imagine, it was not the best outcome. <laughs> I was very drunk. Um, I had My friends had to look after me. The police were called to the party. It ended up being quite the night um and I think that was the first time getting drunk for a lot of my friends as well so we're all kind of the blind leading the blind it just blind leading the blind yeah yeah I remember doing something similar um the first time that I got drunk I got into my parents liquor cabinet and grabbed a bottle of vodka and tipped the vodka out for myself filled it up with water and then I got guilty and tried to tip the water back out and put the vodka back in and that was a a messy process I would imagine it was the guilt the guilt had already set in at that age Um, And so how did that kind of shape your understanding of what it was like to get drunk? Um, Obviously, I I guess there would have been a bit of a hangover in the short term. But once you recovered from that, um, how did that lead to drinking and getting drunk more often and socializing? I think being aware of what I was drinking, because I had absolutely no idea what any of the alcohol was when I decided to drink it. Um, And... I didn't realise the different effects of different spirits and how that can affect how drunk you get and what type of drunk. Um, So that was a really big thing moving forward was figuring out how to be tipsy and not just go straight to being Mm. very, very drunk. Yeah. And what did you like about it, the experience of getting drunk? I think it was really fun and... It was just, it was exciting. It was new. All my friends, we were all doing it together. Um, I think a little part of it was as well, we felt like adults. And Mm. at that time, that's kind of all you want to feel, I suppose. So that was really exciting being like, oh, we're now old enough to. And well, we weren't technically, but um, feeling like we were kind of at that age was probably the ideal scenario for yeah. us and um i guess your parents not being big drinkers uh when did they kind of catch on to the fact that this was happening if at all and did they ever give you that chat about drugs and alcohol and you know how to act responsibly yeah definitely so my parents i was very fortunate that um in the first aside from that time they then decided to buy me alcohol and they would pick the alcohol that i would be able to take to parties in the future so it would be like four cruises or four ciders or something um and my mum always said like I would prefer that I buy it for you and I can 
determine how much you're then going to have opposed to you just going out and getting it off my friends and then having no idea what the effects of that particular particular alcohol would be yeah it's it's like so interesting because um you know i used to work liquor like in a liquor store and obviously we're taught about secondary supply and watching out for parents that are buying for their kids but oftentimes that ends up being the most safe solution to you know adolescents going out and drinking and it's like what needs needs to happen and you build that sense of trust with your parents and i think it's overall the you know the best case scenario but yeah, for some people, it just never happens and they, you know, they keep um, kind of skirting around their parents and getting their own um, alcohol and stuff like that and trying to get away with it. Yeah, I think that really um, opened the line of communication between me and my parents because they would buy it and, like, give it to me and then, obviously, if I came back from a party like more drunk than four cruisers would make you Mm -hmm. they would kind of be like oh well what else did you have and then we would talk about it and they were very open to it which I'm very grateful for um, because I know a lot of my friends parents they were the they were like running around getting people to buy them bottles of vodka and drinking half of it in one night and not realizing how much that that was going to affect them yeah so, yeah. Um, can you speak to, like, why that was so important for you to have that open line of communication with your parents just before we go to a break? I think I can potentially get really excited. Yeah. And I know that's the case for many people. And you get overly excited and then just want to try everything. And so my mum used to be a bartender as well. So I would say, like, oh, I tried tequila or something like that. And then we would talk about it. And that was really good because she would tell me like some really great stories and then some not so great stories and I would be aware of the different types of alcohol and how they can affect you and that was really important to me I think growing up. Yeah sure. Um, Okay so we're going to go to a quick break so we're going to play a song called Didn't You Know by Erica Badu.
Here at 3CR on the 15th of June, we're hosting our annual Radiothon fundraiser, and we need your help. You can make a difference by donating. Your support keeps 3CR broadcasting unique conversations, great music, and diverse voices. If you're a fan of Living Free, help us reach our show's target of $2,000. Call 3CR anytime and keep the Living Free show alive. Support Living Free. Stay tuned to 3CR and stay radical. This year's Eco-Socialism Conference, A World Beyond Capitalism, is on the first weekend of July. Activists from around the world will gather at Victorian Trades Hall to discuss the intersection between the ecological, economic and political crises of our time. The event is open to everyone, so come along and be part of the struggle for a better world. Find out more information on panels and speakers and get your tickets today at ecosocialism.org.au. A 3CR supporter. Welcome back to the Living Free Show on 3CR, 855 kilohertz on your AM radio dial and 3CR on digital radio. If you would like to listen to one of our many podcasts, then you can find us at your preferred podcast platform or just Google 3CR Living Free and check out our website. You can also contact us via phone, email or Twitter. As you might have heard with the promo before, Radiothon is still happening at 3CR and there's a whole day left for you guys to donate. We're not quite at our target yet, but like I said, there's plenty of time left to donate as well. So you can jump online at 3cr.org.au and make a donation in the last day of Radiothon. We really appreciate all the money that's been sent in so far. So we're talking today with Gracie, who has experiences with drugs and alcohol through college and different hospitality experiences. Welcome back, Gracie. Thank you. So just before the break, we were talking a little bit about your relationship with your parents and how important an open line of communication is. Uh, so you had just gotten drunk for the first few times at around the age of 17 or so. Um, can you talk to me a little bit about the interstate move that happened shortly after that? Yeah, so I, when I moved to Melbourne, I started living at a college for uni, and that obviously was a whirlwind, I could say. Um, I think being shoved into... Um, small building with about 300 other people my age with no parental supervision for the first time and just all of Melbourne's clubs and bars to go to was quite a shock. Um, I think in my small town that I grew up, there's three bars that you can go to and they're all pubs. So um, Been there, done that. Yeah, it was very different. So... That was quite a shock. However, it was so exciting and it was just a whole new world, to be honest. Why did you want that move uh, to college? Was that something that you specifically sought out? That was... um, I didn't know anyone in Melbourne and my parents thought that the best thing for me would be to live at a college near my uni. So... um, if I needed help or I needed anything, there would be other people around and that way I'd be able to meet people, which in turn I could then move in with after that in like share houses and things like that. Yeah. And was that your experience when you got to college? Um, did you find or how did you find, I guess, that social element of college mixed in with the the drinking, the incessant drinking that you normally find at college too? Yeah, that was a very interesting combination. I think I went from being a little bit of an introvert to then just wanting to socialise with everyone and that then led to us drinking a lot. Mm. Um, I think as well we were all quite uneducated on the subject and very broke, so that just led to... What a fun combo. Yeah, cheap wine and goon (laughs) was our thing and I think there was about five or six of us in a group and... Each week we'd rotate who would go and buy the goon and that would be our drinks for the night. And That's college. Yeah, yeah, it was very, it was fun, mm. but it was definitely, we could have picked something better, I think. Oh, I think so, yeah. And do you recall any moments of, you know, a particularly bad hangover or a particularly bad week? Because I know my friends that went to college, you know, there would be like O week um, in which, you know, no messing about, you're straight into it all week and like that really... Um, 
that it's either make or break, you adjust or you don't kind of thing. Um, do you have any experiences like that? Yeah, I, I actually missed out on my first O week because I was in hospital. Oh, no. Um, I think it was just a combination. I had really bad tonsillitis, but mm. it was definitely a combination of I've just moved out of home. I wasn't drinking enough water. I was drinking a lot of alcohol, mm. um, wasn't looking after myself and ended up having to go to hospital, which was very close by, which was very lucky. <laughs> Handy. Um, but... Yeah, and then I remember the nurse, I got put on really um, heavy antibiotics and the nurse said to me, look, you really cannot drink on these, like you'll just throw up straight away. And of course, I was 18, I was like, sure, whatever. Yeah, I'm probably going to throw up anyway, so yeah. I'm blind, right? Yeah, I was like, well, that's the aim, essentially. <laughs> so then went back to college, had about two sips and vomited everywhere and okay. was like, okay, now I need to like kind of listen to my Bad body advice. and yeah. take it seriously. Yeah, so right. that was probably a big like, all right, just because you have all this freedom doesn't mean you can just do whatever. Yeah, and abuse it and stuff. Yeah. And um, yeah, you mentioned before all the uh, clubs that Melbourne had to offer are significantly more than the three that you were used to in your hometown. Um, can you talk a little bit about nightlife and, you know, whether or not drugs came into the picture at that time in your life? Yeah, definitely. I remember one of the first times I went out, we all went out to a bar just to have a nice drink. And then um, there was one of my friends there who at the time I was just meeting for the first time and they'd said to me do you want to go to this other club and I was like sure like let's go and then I go I walk in and I'm offered three different types of drugs within the first 10 minutes and I hadn't really experienced any I hadn't taken any drugs before that maybe one time at a festival or something like that but I was very inexperienced and I think the excitement just was so overwhelming that I said yes and was like great and then that started a long period of time taking MDMA. Yeah 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 um, and how did that experience kind of shape you and influence you um, throughout like the rest of your MDMA use and drug use? I think having it being offered was a very interesting experience because mm. I realised how easily and accessible it was um, and how often I could get it without having to pay for it <laughs> as well. So that was – it was just constantly there. Mm. And so, being broke at the time, I guess, yeah, as well, you know, that makes a big difference. Yeah, it definitely helped. Um, so I think – Excuse me, how do you get it without paying for it? Uh, people just offer it to you. Mm. They just say – yeah, and um, if you say that you haven't done it before, ah. most of the time they're like, oh, here, like, have some and mm -hmm. you can try some. Potentially it was just the people I was hanging around, but I have mm. heard yeah. similar stories. But Is it very cheap to produce? Um, Is that why? At the time it was about $25 or $20. I know it's definitely gone up since then, um, but sometimes they would do, like, a bit of a bulk buyer situation. So... Um, I also then became really good friends with a dealer and he would just give me some extras for fun. <laughs> so, yeah, that kind of... Perks of having a dealer friend. Yeah, right. yeah. It was interesting. And you mentioned a little bit before the show about a character that kind of taught you how to use and utilise drugs in a perhaps a more safe way. Um, can you talk to me a little bit about that person and how that kind of happened? So um, this was after college, after I'd moved out and I moved in with a new housemate and she was significantly older than me, maybe about 10 years older than me. And she had been through the whole um, trying it for the first time, doing it for a while, seeing what worked and what didn't. And the way she took MD, MD was to do it... Um, in your backyard during the day or like go to a park or something like that. Um, she would never do it in a club. It just wasn't for her after doing it in the club for so many years. Mm. She wanted to do it in a more calm way. Um, and she really influenced me and taught me how 
to do it guilt-free, to be honest, um, and just do it safely. And then when you're doing it in that way, it kind of reduces the risk of waking up and having all this anxiety Mm. and not knowing what happened and things like that because you were at home the whole time or just down the road at a park. Yeah, and I feel like, you know, that phrase guilt-free is like so significant because we were talking a little bit before about having your parents buy your alcohol for you and you know, what doing that and trying to skirt around your parents and having that guilt and that kind of festers secrecy and those kinds of things. It's important when you have, you know, especially for something that's illegal, that open and clear um, guidance and um, being able to do it safely is something that's like super important. And I feel like you also mentioned that that happened at a time in your life where perhaps, you know, it could have gone not off the deep end, but, you know, you could have stuck around in that club scene and you know, you had someone who taught you another way to do it. Yeah, definitely. I think I was, me and my friends at college were definitely on the verge of it being quite the issue Mm. Um, and how often we were doing it and how quickly it would turn into being up all night and then having to go straight to uni and the Mm. effects may have not officially worn off yet. (laughs) Um So learning to do that in more of a chill way and a safe way was really, really important to me and it's definitely shaped how I now use drugs. Yeah, for sure. Um, And so taking those experiences and moving out of college and moving into a hospitality position, um, can you talk to me a little bit about how you learned um, to you know, exist in that kind of environment and how your experiences leading up to that point shaped you? Yeah, so I think it definitely made me aware of how quickly things can go wrong on a night out. Um, And obviously with my job being in a bar, you have to be able to recognise that in other people just in case things go wrong. Um, I often find if there's someone who is maybe having quite a bad night, they are very, very hesitant to say if they've taken drugs. They're very, very happy to say that they've had 15 shots in Mm. two hours, but um, definitely, and obviously that's not any of our business, but if we're on the phone to an ambulance or something like that, we do really need to know. Um, And people are very, very hesitant to say, so you kind of end up being like, you can say it, I've done this before, I've done this before, I want you to be able to say it to me, but I do need to know I'm not going to judge you or anything like that. Yeah, Um, it's almost encouraged sometimes when it comes to drinking. Oh, you've had 15 shots? Whoa, you know, you're a weapon, you're a unit. Yeah. Um, But there's a totally different stigma attached to drugs. We were also speaking a little bit before the show about lockdown and um, using weed and how... Uh, you know, simple sometimes it can be to function using weed. Uh, What about drinking on shift and that kind of thing? Um, Did you find something similar for yourself or others? Yeah, so um, the bar I work at is a wet bar, which essentially means you're welcome to drink. Um, It is up to the manager to say, would you like a shot? You know, maybe you could have like a beer on, um, on your break or something like that. And we're, we're allowed to have a knockoff at the end of shift. Um, there, sometimes it does slip through a little bit um, and you're a little bit, you've drunk a little bit more than you should. Um, I think the place I work is very good at pulling people up on that and saying like, not just, hey, you've done the wrong thing, but also is there anything going on? Like, why do you feel the need to be drinking so much at work? Mm. Like, obviously... We are allowed to, but sometimes if someone's getting a bit too drunk, it's like, oh, is everything okay? Like, is something going on in your life or you just wanted to have a night or something like that? Yeah, I feel like that kind of, again, going back to communication, having an open line of communication, that's super important because if someone is in a position where, you know, things aren't going the best for them in their life and all of a sudden they've got this opportunity and like this privilege to drink on shift and especially if they function pretty well doing it things can get out of control so that's good that you haven't you know witnessed that yourself or been too directly involved with that yourself yeah yeah um okay cool let's take another break with a song called rock dj a bit of a classic by robbie williams 
show, kicking with your torso. Boys getting high and the girls even more so. Wave your hands if you're not with a man. Can I kick it? Yes, you can. I got, you got, we got everybody. I got the gift, gonna stick it in the goal. It's time to move your body. Radio. It's the people's voice committed to human and civil rights, environmental sustainability, democracy and equality. There is one newspaper that is independent of powerful interests and that's Green Left Weekly. It presents ideas mainstream media won't. It exposes the lies and distortions of the power brokers and helps us to better understand the world around us. It's the leading source of local, national and international news analysis and discussion and debate to strengthen the anti-capitalist movements. Tune in every Friday morning at 8am on 3CR. Did you know that 3CR received its community radio licence in 1976? Our application was successful because of our diverse and engaged community membership. Subscribers are at the heart of our station, and we really need you to be active and paid up in 2023. Become a 3CR subscriber today. Call 03-9419-8377 or subscribe online at 3cr.org.au.
You're listening to a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned to hear the rest of your 3CR podcast. Welcome back to the Living Free Show on 3CR Digital Radio and live streaming on 3cr.org.au forward slash streaming. And today we're talking about Gracie, about her experiences in hospitality with drugs and alcohol. Welcome back, Gracie. Thank you. Uh, before we get into the last section of the show, I'd like to remind you that 3CR is still in its radiothon. There's one day left, but that's plenty of time to make donations and every last dollar counts. So if you would like to donate in the last day of radiothon, make sure to jump online at 3cr.org.au. And we're very grateful for all of your donations. So thank you for that. All right. So just before the break, Gracie, we were talking about what it's like working in your hospitality position, working in a wet bar, perhaps getting carried away as someone in your position or anyone in that position would do. Where do you think you're at right now in regards to your own relationship with drugs and alcohol? And looking forward, what do you see for your future? I think after the experience of working in a bar and doing a lot of training surrounding different types of alcohol. Um, I am fortunate enough to be educated in how my body will react to different types of alcohol. So when I am on a night out, if I am going to a club or something, potentially I'll tequila will be my choice. Um, But if I'm just having, like, a chilled drinks with friends, like, maybe that will be, like, a glass of wine or a beer or something. So um, I think being fortunate enough to know how different alcohol is going to make me act and how I will react to it um, has helped a lot in terms of how I now choose to participate in drinking. Yeah, sure. And I'm sure there are a lot of parents listening at the moment. We spoke a bit about your relationship with your parents and how they taught you about, you know, how you should be going out and socializing. They bought you your drinks and whatnot. Um, From your perspective, as someone who has learned that, what do you think is important and what did you draw from what your parents taught you in relation to learning about alcohol and drinking at a young age? Yeah, I think it was very beneficial for me for them to have bought my alcohol for me. I know that that can potentially be a bit of a controversial opinion. Um, however, I it stopped me from then outsourcing to other people and um, going overboard or um, picking alcohol that was potentially not as safe for a 17-year-old. Um, so I think that definitely worked for me and I saw other friends who, whose parents were very against them drinking and they would sneak around a lot more, whereas I would just be like... I, it wasn't even a worry in my mind because I knew that my mum and my dad would happily buy a couple of drinks for me and I was set and I didn't have to worry about it and then that way I wasn't choosing what alcohol they had chosen for me and... Now I realise that they definitely chose for me, but they definitely made it seem like I was the one choosing because mm-hmm. I got to choose the flavour. So mm-hmm. that was – they did that very well. Um, but, yeah, I think definitely even just, like, allowing me to have a drink at home or they would always say – like, my mum was very good at being like, call me anytime you need me. Um, and she definitely would come and pick me up from every party I went to, which – I was not exactly happy with, Mm, but now that I look back on it, I'm very grateful that she was picking me up and making sure I was okay at the end of the night because many times I had friends who needed their parent and I was very fortunate that my mum was the parent for all of us. Uh, So that was really, really good. Yeah, interesting. And what do you think some of those negative implications could be for parents that totally shy away from having that conversation with their kids? You saw that with friends of yours? Yeah, definitely. I think secrecy is just going to make it more exciting um, and more desirable. And when you're 
young and you're really excited about it, you're not necessarily thinking or understanding the different effects of different alcohols and they would just be having straight spirits and things like that and not enjoying it either because they weren't getting tipsy, they were Mm. just blacking out. So, and instead of I feel like learning from their parents, they're learning from their friends, which are probably the worst people to learn from because yeah. you're all figuring it out at the same time. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, okay, that's really interesting. And speaking on that, and I guess touching on having an open line of communication and um, accountability and whatnot, what could you kind of speak to in terms of other people our age? Um, you know, you had people to pull you into line, um, but it always wasn't always an easy process for you. Um, so I guess, can you speak to how important accountability is and having friends that, you know, check in and touch base with you regarding these things? Yeah, I think it's very important to have friends that are going to give you the tough love, um, especially when it comes to alcohol and drugs. I think that is really important. Um, However, I think if you have a friend who you think is going through it, going in and saying, hey, I think you're drinking too much or whatever the scenario may be, you need to have more than that. Having just a statement doesn't fix the situation. It might make them think, but when it comes to something so addictive like alcohol and drugs, you really need to potentially have a plan or sit down with them and say like, you know, what do you think? How do you think that we can manage this? Just going in and saying, hey, you're drinking too much. It really does nothing except put guilt and shame on someone and potentially just make them hide it. Mm. So it's all about kind of the right demeanor, the right kind of language. Yeah, definitely. Um, And I guess you learn those kinds of things just through... I don't know, doing your own kind of mental research and thinking about the situation. And I think we can all value um, having friends like that, um, just not just in terms of drugs and alcohol, um, in terms of all things in our life. Um, can you speak a little bit about doing your own kind of research regarding like drugs and alcohol and social scenes and that kind of thing? Yeah, um, I think one of the pivotal moments for me was when I read the book Chasing the Scream. Mm. It's a very good book and it speaks on... It's based in America, so it's definitely based on American drug culture, but it was recommended to me by my friend and it puts a lot of things in perspective and makes you realise the reasons drugs are illegal, um, which is very very interesting and like something I think if you're participating in these you need to understand the history of when it was legal what what the war on drugs was and what Mm. all that was about so um what did you gain from reading that book did you relate it to your own experiences definitely I think I realized that they are it's not necessarily something to be scared of um But it is something to be cautious of and doing drugs in a proper way and drinking alcohol in a safe way Um, and just being aware of who's around you at the time and what activities you're participating in is probably one of the most important things to think about before drinking and before taking drugs is your environment and what you're going to be doing. Mm Are you um, able to say anything? Do you, what, what, what did the book say about the war on drugs and the reasons that drugs are illegal? Um, it was very much based on um, the story of the man who his name has lost me from her, but um, in America he was in the military and then he basically was the head of the prohibition of drugs and all of that and it was heavily based off of racism and that once understanding that I think it gives you a whole new perspective on why it's illegal and what aspects of it are illegal and things like is, that. Is that is it the idea that the that cannabis was mainly used by African Americans and, mm, and whereas yes. the white people used the alcohol? Yes, mm. yes, definitely. And um, we were talking a bit about what it's like to black out and having that anxiety, um, that anxiety as it's often referred to. 
what about the sense of FOMO and seeing people on social media um, going out and drinking and partying and that kind of thing? Is that something that sometimes affects you or? Um, depends. I think um, I definitely see some friends go out sometimes I'm like, oh, damn it. But I think recognizing when it's your time to go out and party and when maybe you just need a little break is um, something that's really important. And at the end of the day, no one's really going to miss you if you're not <laughs> there. Like, there's always another party you can go to. Um, and in a few months, it's not really going to matter. And mm. you're still going to go out and have a good time with your friends. You may have just missed, yeah. like, one moment, but there's many other moments. What about, like, seeing yourself on someone's story and you've blacked out and you didn't even realise it? Oh, no, that <laughs> is the worst. That is just not... Um, I think as well having friends that you know aren't going to post incredibly stupid mm. pictures or videos of you um, and maybe that they'll just show you the next time they see you and be like, oh, this was really funny, but I didn't post it. Um, I think if you're having friends posting things that they know you wouldn't like, it's time to rethink the friendship and you need to really have people who you feel safe around when you're doing that kind of activity. Yeah, for sure. And is there any advice you would give to your own friends in the current friendship circles that you're in at the moment regarding drugs and alcohol and whether or not you'd, you'd think you'd be in a different place in regards to these kinds of things with those people in a few years? Um, I think I'm very content with the people I have around me at the moment and we all have similar views and I would feel very comfortable um, saying something to them if I think potentially it was getting out of hand and I know that they would feel comfortable saying it to me. So, But that has taken a few years to get to the point where I'm comfortable with my friends and I know that if they say something, they mean it and it should be taken seriously. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. Yeah, awesome. Okay, uh, that's about all we've got time for today. So I'd like to thank Gracie for sharing her experiences with us today. Um, it's I think it's important to remember to have that open line of communication, not just with your friends, but with everyone in your life. Um, we can benefit from that in all aspects of our life. And... I want to thank you for sharing that advice today. really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. No worries. Uh, so coming up next, we have the we have Balamois, The Spirit of War, hosted by Uncle Talgum Choco Edwards. Join Uncle Choco on a journey of belonging and movement through sing-alongs and yarns. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and stay tuned now for more Radical Radio on 3CR. And to take us out, we've got a song called Past Love by the wonderful Kimbra.
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.